0: Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions.
1: My question of the day is about airlines. Is now a good time to put some significant amount on airlines? Do you think it'll drop further? And then, my little side question on that outside of airlines
2: is Boeing.
0: And provides unbiased answers.
2: Yes, travel has come back, but it's mainly leisure travel. And the number of routes still remains well below pre-COVID levels. What you have is a bunch of planes that are out there not being used. So none of these companies get me excited because there's so many better opportunities in the marketplace.
0: InvestTalk, over 40 million downloads and counting across America and around the world. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President, KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast.
2: Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, March twenty eighth, twenty twenty two edition of Invest Talk, and I am Justin Klein, and I'm excited to have this hour with you to hear your finance and investment questions and give you straight and unbiased answers. I'm here to distill the facts as I see them and try to give you some perspective and help you take that next step in your path towards financial freedom. And your financial freedom is going to look a bit different than uh, everybody else's, but it's about instilling principles and in principles to make good Investment decisions, good savings decisions, good spending decisions, and apply the right strategies in all of those areas so that you can see success and see your ultimate goals made a reality. Now, Steve and I have always said that market volatility and uh, our market volatility is unpredictable, and that means you need to be prepared for every different cycle. And how markets evolve. Our markets change. Volatility presents opportunity for you and your portfolio. And you need to be ready to act. And act with reason and logic, not emotion. And the vast majority of people, well, unfortunately, we're emotional beings. That's our baseline. And so you have to be aware of that for yourself and fight the urge to be emotional, emotional. A lot of people hold on to losing positions because they want to get back to even because they can't handle the emotions of taking a loss. They fall in love with a stock and a company because they have an emotional attachment to be right or to see the world as they want it to be. As opposed to the way it really is. All of these are natural instincts of humans, of new investors that don't understand the market. They don't have the experience. And so my job is to help rid you of the bad habits that come with being an emotional being. And instill good habits of looking at facts, balancing the pros and the cons, the risks and the rewards. And when you do this, you will be more successful. Facts have shown it. And so when I'm answering specific questions about the market, about a strategy, about a particular stock, I am here to present all without bias, just give you the facts as I see them with all the data that I have, and more importantly, 20 plus years of investment experience. Data is great, but perspective and understanding of markets, of various correlations in the market and asset classes, oftentimes trumps as much data as you can get because it's how you apply that data. And thinking about it dynamically. And that's why on this show, I'm going to operate with my mission statement, which is always independent thinking and shared success. Independent. I'm not just going to parrot headlines just to get clicks, get people to watch more than Kramer. And I want to bring you along in our success and our ability to navigate these type of markets. So I encourage you to interact with me during our live stream program from 4 to 5 Pacific time, or you can leave a message on our Invest Talk Voice Bank. Either way, the number never changes. It's always eight 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 ninety nine chart So let's get right to our first listener question now.
1: Hi Steve, love your show. Call in quite a bit, John F. San Jose, Cliff, C-L-F. It's been going up quite a bit. I'm starting to get a little
0: bit nervous about it. Wanted to know whether I should stay long or um, start taking profit and get out or even add to it. Appreciate your uh, answer
1: on the radio. Have a great day. Thank you very much. Love your show. Well,
2: Cleveland Cliff is uh, definitely overbought a lot of the energy spaces. And for everyone else out there, Cleveland Cliff is a coal producer. And... This is uh, they also uh, produce flat rolled steel, the uh, supply of iron ore pellets in North America so they're they're mainly in the steel industry. So once again, anything raw material related is going to get a boost. And when you don't have the supply of Russia in all of these different commodity markets, the ones who develop in or produce in the western world, those are going to get uh, get some tailwinds. And so the fact that this is a vertically integrated company, so it owns a a lot of means of production, is positive. I mean, it's not reliant on a certain part of the supply chain to make its end products. And it produces uh, a lot of uh, steel for the automotive industry here here in North America. So it's overbought. Would I add more here? Probably not. On a pullback, maybe, but, you know, this is one of those names where you just kind of hold. Maybe you trim, and this is this is something you're going to have to learn to do. A lot of people are on or off. It's one or the other, and when it comes to portfolio management, there's trimming as well, rebalancing. That's what professionals do. That's what we do for our clients is it's not just, oh, I want to sell it completely. It's, hey, it's grown to seven, eight, 9% of my portfolio, and that's too high. And therefore, I want to bring it back down to maybe three, four, 5% of the portfolio. And there's nothing wrong with that. And you want to do that in times like this where it's overbought. Buy when there's sellers, sell when there's buyers. There's a lot of buyers right now. So that's when you want to rebalance and you do it smartly. So that's the first thing I would think about. Consider rebalancing but I wouldn't be outright selling it here because once again, this is a decade where it's tangible over intangible. And when you can, when you own the means of production of steel and steel is very tangible. It's needed in all types of products, including cars and buildings, etc. Regulations globally are, are, are benefiting a company like Cleveland cliffs where Regulation is trying to prevent steel from being imported from China where it's produced in a dirtier fashion. And so Cleveland Cliffs has better, cleaner production here. So think about rebalancing now. And overall, I would just hold it and look to be buying on a pullback if you're underweight, if you're underweight. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline, the 5- and 30-year Treasury Yield Inverted Briefly. And there's been a lot of talk over the past week or two in regards to recession and historically the yield curve is inverted prior to recessions, but that does not mean that it has to guarantee a recession. I'm going to talk about that it is yes, it has private, but I mean, what is prior? What's considered prior that can mean within three months or it could be three years. And we're going to, I'm going to give you some stats on what the S and P did after the first time, it inverted. You'll be shocked by some of the data. Okay, so we're going to look at that story. Also, energy insecurity its here to stay. What does that mean? Okay, we're going to look at that. And then lastly, we're going to look at uh, retirement, planning for part-time retirement. Now we're heading into a, a final or our first break. Steve and I are grateful for your podcast support and our free downloads will always continue, but I make sure you're aware of a couple other ways that you can get in touch with our content, which is our YouTube channel, as well as our Instagram account as well. We're building out more content, content there, so head over there and give us a follow. The Talk phone lines are open, so give us a call at 888-99-CHART.
0: The Invest Talk Voice Bank never closes. I have a question for you about Amazon. So your questions keep coming. I have a question about PE ratios. And that's okay because Steve Peasley and Justin Klein specialize in unbiased guidance.
2: If I'm looking at a dividend company, I'm looking for consistency of earnings and dividends. Your standard daily chart typically goes back one year.
0: No question is too simple. Wanted to ask about TeleDoc. And each question is an important part of the podcast.
1: My wife has a role over 401k from a previous employer. I was curious if this is eligible to be used to do a backdoor Roth. Steve
0: and Justin are fearless.
2: That's fairly inexpensive for this kind of explosive growth. The problem here is that you're picking a leveraged ETF.
0: Tell your friends and family members about InvestTalk. You've been instrumental in my understanding how this market works. Don't forget to call InvestTalk. 888-99-CHART. you've got a portfolio to grow and protect and this is no time to lose focus so get your finance and investment questions together and call steve peasley and justin klein they're ready with their unbiased answers invest talk 888 99 chart
2: take a look at the market today we had a slightly bullish day especially into the close sp was up 32 points so about two-thirds of one percent the nasdaq that had probably the strongest showing that was up 185 points a little over one percent about one and a quarter percent and this was definitely a, a little bit of a bounce back day for the growth side of the market as you had yields drop a bit 10 year fell about one and a half basis points and you had oil uh, down about 9 10 Uh, I didn't really see a big news to spark the pullback. But this is what you should expect when you have a volatile commodity environment, you're going to see very ebbs and flows. And those ebbs and flows are going to uh, be dramatic because there's a lot of positioning. And there's a lot of emotions in the market. And that's going to bring larger pullbacks. Now, I still think on the commodity space, you want to be buying on those pullbacks, but this is a, a good example of how you don't want to be overexposed to one particular sector. You don't want to you know, tie yourself completely because you never know. Could This could be the start of a larger pullback in regards to a slowdown in the economy, et cetera. So it wouldn't shock me. Uh, I don't really expect that till the summertime. Uh, we are now into the spring, so we probably have some short-term upside in the market, and yeah, that's what I'm expecting. Now, gold has pulled back a, a bit today as well. This commodity sector as a whole. You had small caps; that was definitely the weakest. That was pretty much flat. the The Russell was only, let's see, yeah, it was up less than one point, so it was a, it was a flat day for the small caps, whereas uh, the the technic- the large caps, the Nasdaq. Uh, that definitely uh, got a boost. The NYSE, if you're looking at broader indices, that one was up uh, about six points. So kind of a flat day. So broad m- broad stocks, kind of flat, uh, down in the commodity space, up in the tech space for today. Now let's fit in an iTunes question, review. And this is from KP McD. It says, what is, what is there to prevent a bad person from figuring out the dividend uh, dates of the highest dividend stocks, then putting all their money in a stock right before the dividend date, next collecting the dividend, putting all the money into another high dividend stock, and then collecting the dividend, et cetera. And this is a question that has been asked, uh, I don't know, I probably answered this question about uh, three or 400 times in my career. Uh, But what you have to realize is uh, on the X date, typically the stock will drop the amount of the, the dividend because the buyers before, they were collecting, and the buyers after they're not going to get it, so the price is going to adjust. So a lot of people have tried this, and guess what? It doesn't work. <laughs> so uh, it's it's an, it always interesting, um, but it's not something that you should execute on because a lot of people have tried and failed. Let's go to Dave from Oklahoma. Uh, he had a, he had a question. Uh, via iTunes, which was my question and concerns, Starbuck, Starbuck Carriers, S-B-L-K. The numbers look decent. I'd like to get your opinion on whether you would buy and what you would What would be your entry point. I'm looking to open a position, S-B-L-K. Now, the technicals look pretty solid. And what you're probably looking at is the recent earnings, $6.68 expected to make this year, down 2% from yesterday, last year, $6.82. And it's a $29 stock. So it's pretty low PE. But remember, that E is likely to come down. You're starting to see this month over month. Shipping rates are in decline now. Now, very modestly, low single digits, month over month. Now, year over year it looks like a lot. But that's going to slowly erode, and analysts are expecting Uh, That's our road next year's earnings of $5 and 66 cents. So this is all going to be about the technicals. Uh, Now the technicals are definitely weakening. So I wouldn't be chasing this near term, um, uh, near term number, and you're probably looking at 27% dividend yield. Remember, it has to sustain this level of earnings. And this is all about shipping rates being sky high, hundreds and hundreds of percent higher than pre pandemic. And that's very, 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 very unlikely to be sustained at these levels. Now, higher than was pre pandemic, sure, but not at these levels. So uh, I wouldn't be buying here. Now, moving into a break, I'm ready for your calls at 888.99 chart.
0: You've got a portfolio to grow and protect, and this is no time to lose focus. So get your finance and investment questions together and call Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. They're ready with their unbiased answers. Invest Talk 88899 chart.
2: 8899 chart, eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. 4278 Now, my focus point today is based on this headline: the five and thirty-year Treasury Yield inverted, briefly sparking recession fears. And like I said, at the top of the show, this has been talked about over the last couple of weeks in a big way and worrying a lot of people. And the big question is, how much How much does it matter, especially in the short to medium term? Now, we're going to get a lot of labor data over this week to see where we're at economically. And that's certainly going to impact Fed policy, who have You know, promised basically a rate hike every meeting, and maybe 50 basis points at some point, maybe the next meeting, maybe uh, thereafter. You have the JOLTS number coming in uh, tomorrow, which is job openings and labor turnover. So basically, how many people are quitting, how many jobs are available, et cetera. Uh, You have the March ADP number coming out Wednesday. You have jobless claim filing on Thursday. And then Friday is obviously the March non-farm payroll report. So this will give us a a strong picture on what's what happened in the month of February. And you also have personal consumption expenditures that's coming out Thursday. So that's going to also give us a a measure of inflation. So all this is going to play into the, the view of what is happening in, in markets. Um, Or sorry, in economies. But what's most important is what's, what about your investments? Well, if you look through history, you will see that many times, a lot of times that the yield curve inverted, markets continue to go up. After the yield curve inverted in 89, stocks rose more than a third, 33% before the recession started in mid 1990. 2005. The yield curve inverted. And the S&P was up a quarter, 25% after it inverted. So you had to wait two years before that view of recession kind of worked out. Now, what it basically is telling us more clearly is that we're late in the cycle. Meaning, a recession is... Closer to the future than the past. Although, you know, we had a recession in 2020, so maybe that's not true, right? Uh, Clearly driven by different things in your typical recession. But it shows you that it isn't a sign to sell equities, at least not yet. Remember, the 2 in 10 hasn't inverted, But what's most important is the three-month and 10-year. And this is what the actual New York Fed follows to calculate their probability model of a recession. Now, in February, it put the chances at only 6% in the next 12 months. And Fed research showed that What really matters is the gap between the three-month yield and the implied three-month yield in 18 months and whether traders are betting on a lot of rate cuts in the next 18 months. And this is why I look at more of the direction of the two-year, not necessarily that gap that inverted or not compared to the 10, but is it rising or is it falling? And so what you're seeing now is, yes, the it's becoming more inverted. And a lot of it has to do with hey, the two-year is actually rising pretty rapidly, which is uh, uh, the, the bond market saying the Fed is not pivoting soon. And the only reason the Fed would pivot soon is if they saw a recession imminent. So, the yield curve is going to be talked a lot about as the Fed continues to kind of march interest rates higher. But the higher the rates go, the more you have to pay attention to these other figures. And not just the inversion of the yield curve. Now, they're going to break something at some point. That's certainly true. But that doesn't mean they have to break something now because they raise rates once or even on the next rate hike. It could be the fifth or sixth rate hike and it breaks something. And in the meantime, equities can go higher. Look what you've seen since the first Fed rate hike. Equities have rallied pretty nicely. Okay, You have the S&P going from Around forty-two hundred, about close to forty-six hundred. We're at almost a ten percent rally from the Fed meeting on the S and P, and this jives with a lot of past yield curve inversions. And so, this is a great example of how so many people like to get caught up in the headlines, and they don't step back and look at history and look at what this really means especially in the short to medium term, long term, there's always going to be a recession. And a yield curve inversion will probably accompany it to some degree. But it might be once again, three months before or three years before. And you have to be cognizant of that. Now on the next invest talk story behind this headline, consumer sentiment falls to new decade long lows, the University of Michigan consumer sentiment index monthly survey. Fell uh, to 59.4, 5.4% decline from February. That story tomorrow, but for now, I'm taking your calls at 888.99 chart. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left, look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. Go to Travis in Minnesota. How can I help you, Travis? Hey, Justin. Uh, question for you. I was looking at my portfolio today, and I'm a young, you know, passive ETF investor. Mm-hmm. What per- percent of my portfolio do you think should be a, you know, S&P 500 um, ETF, and what else should I be looking at to uh, diversify further? Well, are you're young and you're fairly aggressive, correct? You're right. That's correct. Okay. So what you have to think about S&P as is your large cap kind of blend exposure because that's really the portfolio. It has It's tilted growth for sure, uh, but it has a lot of both value and growth. It's just growth because it's market up-weighted. Those stocks tend to be higher value. Uh, you're more overweight them. So that's what you have to think about there. Now, what I would be have is... It depends on how many ETFs you want to use, how much foreign exposure you want to have. Uh, you probably want some commodity exposure. You want some. I would have some value, kind of mid and, and small cap ETFs. I think that's uh, that that's a good place uh, to be. Uh, and you definitely want some uh, some gold exposure, some commodity exposure, resource exposure uh, as well. Now, what percentage? It depends. Like I said, on 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 um, your your other. Funds, how many funds you want to hold, et cetera. But having it 30%, 40% of your portfolio in and of itself, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But make sure you you broaden it out. Like I said, you're young. You want to be aggressive. This probably isn't the one that you want to uh, have You know, over 50% of your portfolio for sure. Definitely under, uh, I would say, a third or less. And like I said, get some of that other exposure because this is, unfortunately, S&P is going to probably underperform this decade a lot of those um uh, value-type ETFs, uh, commodity-energy-type uh, ETFs that are out there. So that's the way to think about it. Thanks for the call, Travis. Let's go to Noel in Napa. He wants to talk about commodities.
1: Yeah. Hi, Justin. Uh, yeah, I think it was last Thursday, uh, Thursday of last week, uh, you, have, you gave us a little class on uh, commodities, uh, lithium, nickel, cobalt, and that all kind of resonated with me, and I'd kind mm-hmm. of like to get in on that. Uh, area, uh, is there any ETF that would maybe cover all three, or uh, is it even if there is, would it be uh, better uh, to go with uh, a mining companies for each one separately?
2: Well, it depends on how much work you really want to do, right? Because when it comes to it, it comes to in- investing in general, you can use funds. Mutual funds. You can use ETFs; those are funds, and you get broad instant diversification. You don't really do, need to do a lot of work. You just kind of have to do some background on uh, the fees within the fund, the uh, the structure of, of the assets that it ho- that it holds, uh, etc. And you know that's 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 it's simple that way when you when you get into individual names, you really want to pick the best of breed. And then you really have to understand the sector, how to break down uh, which ones are in the best positions and and which ones aren't. Now, if you want broad exposure, uh, for example, then you probably want to go with something like a a GNR, which is an ETF. That's the S&P Global Natural Resources ETF. That's a good broad basket of natural resources uh, that you'd want exposure to. Uh, Is it is it as good as buying the best debris breed within the mining sector? Probably not, but that also takes work. So it just depends on how much work you want to put in.
1: Okay, sounds good. Thank you.
2: Thanks for the call. Let's go to Andrew in San Clemente looking at rig.
1: Hey, Justin. Uh, yeah, um, I recently bought it and it ran up real quick. Um, mm-hmm. When do you
0: decide to sell the stock if it runs up real quick on you? It's up like 45% already.
1: I purchased well, it
2: um, I was well that that goes based on your, your your target for uh, the price of, of the company you know what do you think it's worth where do you think it's worth especially based on your uh, crude target because this is an offshore uh, oil and gas well uh, drilling company so is oil prices continue to go up offshore drilling is going to be more profitable and they have this is probably one of the strongest levers to oil prices meaning at $70, $80 a barrel, it's probably not very profitable. At $130, $40 a barrel, uh, it be, suddenly becomes pretty profitable. Now, uh, the big question I would first ask is, is this the best in breed in the space? And I'm going to say it is not. There are other offshore drilling uh, servicing companies out there, and I would be looking at those um, because they have better balance sheets, more profitable, etc. So that's the way I would be thinking about it. Use this opportunity to trade out of uh, rig and into the better value, better run uh, offshore drilling companies. Um, And then it it comes down to what percentage you want to have in your portfolio of a name like this, uh, energy position as well. You know, probably should be at least 10% of your portfolio. If you're aggressive, probably closer to 20 uh, in reality. Um, So you have to think about that in context and never have more than, say, 5% in one particular position. So all of those uh, factors uh, play into my decision that uh, would, would would be to uh, try to find a better opportunity in the same space. Thanks for the call. Eight eight nine nine chart 888-992-4278. Now let's talk a little about energy security or insecurity that we're likely to see for the foreseeable future as we go through this energy transition. And over the past two decades, 4 trillion dollars of oil and gas exports have come from Russia. Russia supplies 10 to 25% of the world's oil and gas and coal exports, and many countries, especially in Europe, are vulnerable to their dependence on on their gas. We know that now. Now, the sanctions in Russia are going are biting. They will continue to bite. And Europe will likely run short of diesel at some point. Germany is prepared to ration natural gas next winter in case uh, Russia wants to cut off supply completely. And in a tight market like this, you're going to see sharp swings. And shocks are hard to absorb. One of the reasons why you saw oil spike recently at $122 a barrel were because... A pipeline from Central Asia to the Black Sea suffered storm damage, and Houthi rebels attack a Saudi energy facility. Now, everybody's scrambling to find more fossil fuels. Even our administration here is talking to Venezuela, which in two thousand five supplied four percent of the world's crude. And so they're trying to get to come to some deal where they can uh, start go back to the uh, the global market. Now, the EU recently announced that they're trying to become independent from Russia by 2030. They're doubling down on renewables and finding new sources of gas. They recently partnered with Qatar, Germany did, and nuclear power is back in fashion. France plans to build six new plants, aiming to be totally energy independent. Britain said it would generate, uh, it would build a new generation of reactors at warp speed. So nuclear is becoming more and more important. Now this disruption will, will, will uh, hurt some economies, and create new dependence on others. Now the top ten countries that will benefit have a market share of seventy five percent in all minerals. And over this decade, will become, unfortunately, more and more reliant on OPEC plus Russia. It'll rise from 45 to 57% of oil exports by 2040. But the overall volume should decline. The problem is, is that they'll take share from higher-cost producers. So part of what I think you're going to see over the next decade is this energy transition. And more petrostates seeing the writing on the wall and that causes them to make rash decisions use their military and so this is going to continue now the lack of investment in minerals means that green metals are up by 64 percent over the past year and that's going to continue Barrick is developing a mine in pakistan which they previously were kind of iffy on Well, now they're seeing they just need to do it and spend $10 billion to develop it. So this will incentivize companies to invest in recycling and to innovate, which is good. But this is a new trend. It's not going to end. Germany just accelerated. Sorry, excuse me. Russia just accelerated a trend that was already in place. All of these commodities weren't uptrends before this happened. So it's not like they were the the root and only cause. And I think if they were, then you would have seen prices fall back pretty quickly because it would have been easier for countries around the world to tap new supply, companies to uh, bring new supply on, and the market would adjust accordingly. But it has not. And this goes to show you that the energy insecurity, commodity insecurity is here to stay. And therefore, your investments need to reflect that. What companies are going to benefit from that trend? What companies are going to struggle to, uh, to, to to keep costs down, keep margins up, and keep production flowing? And that's why it's really important to understand all of those levers and adjust your portfolio accordingly. Now, we're almost through the first quarter. The second quarter begins on Friday. So 2022 is moving right along. And if you need help, understanding whether your portfolio is set up for this new trend of value over growth of real assets over intangible assets. I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve Peasley at our company KP Financial, where we operate with the same philosophy as we do on the show, independent thinking and shared success. That's how we provide unbiased guidance, both on and off air, and practice parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients. So I encourage you to take advantage of our free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meeting. You can send us a message through investtalk.com or call our office at 800 557 5461. We'd love to help you in any way. Now, this is Invest Talk. Steve and I thank you for downloading our podcast and telling your friends about us. We'll play another caller question in 60 seconds. So hang on. Each day, Invest Talk listeners
0: submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. And Steve and Justin thank you for your loyalty. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. 88899
1: chart. Hello fellows, thanks as always for taking my call. I've called a few times before, you guys have always given me good advice. My question of the day is about airlines. All the airlines seem to have been down 25% or so in the last week, some a little bit more. Is now a good time to put some significant amount on airlines? Do you think it'll drop further? And then my little side question on that outside of airlines is Boeing down to 173 today. Same question. Do you think it's time to load up on any of these airline related stocks? Thank you as always for your time and advice. Looking forward to hearing the answer. See you later guys.
2: All right. Now if I'm picking one or the other, I'm picking airlines. Now I don't love either. Remember you have to be very, you have to be very not just careful with your cash and your capital but look at the opportunity costs. Some of the airlines are good businesses. A lot better than they used to be. That's for sure. A lot of has to do with uh, points. They make mo- a lot of money on points. I don't know if you know that, but they have a lot of headwinds too. Right now you have a, a, a bipolar world, right? That's becoming the West versus the East. Uh, you have business travel that is in a secular decline now, post-COVID. And you have higher oil prices, and that's a huge input to their business, right? Uh, so I would certainly be... I would, I'm not bullish on airlines. I think there's a lot of headwinds. And then you have Boeing, which is even in a worse position. Not only have they been terribly run over the past couple of decades at 737 max uh that issue uh, but also you have structural oversupply of planes not y- y- yes travel has come back but it's mainly leisure travel and the number of routes still remains well below covid lows sorry, sorry covid levels excuse me pre-covid levels sorry so what you have is a bunch of planes that are out there not being used. So you can go buy used planes on the market for a lot cheaper than you can buy these newer planes that have questionable safety issues. Why would you do that? Boeing has a lot of debt. They borrowed a ton of money to buy back shares at super high prices. And they're in a tough situation. So none of these companies get me excited because there's so many better opportunities in the marketplace. So shift your focus elsewhere. Now this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888 chart
0: You are listening to Invest Talk. We've seen the markets go up, then down, sideways, and around. It's called volatility. And if you're a serious investor, you'll have finance and investment questions for Justin Klein. He's here now taking your calls live. Invest Talk 88899
1: Chart. Hey Steer Justin, this is Micah from Michigan calling. I was just curious with the AT and T Warner Bros spinoff that's going to be happening yeah, in the next couple months here. I was curious about the Warner Media stock that'll be created by that, and what your thoughts were on it, and uh, what you would project for it going forward. I believe the ticker symbol is planned on being WBD. Thank you, and have a good day.
2: All right. Well, I don't know much about the, the valuation and 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 the actual. Um, structure of the new business. Uh, But I know it will be more of a pure play, right? AT&T bought Time Warner, and it was kind of a a misfit acquisition, because at the end of the day, AT&T is a communication company, they have uh, a cell phone business, they have uh, a wireline business, they have a broadband business. And that's their bread and butter. And I don't think Time Warner really really, uh, ben- benefited those other types of businesses. There wasn't a lot of synergies there. And now that the merger with discover discovery, discovery, discover, discover, there we go. And I think that makes more sense. And I think it's great assets. Would I buy it? Would I hold it? If I owned to AT&T and it, you know, I get it as a spinoff, I'd have to look at it then, uh, what the valuation would be, what the, the, uh, the debt levels would be. So I can't really give you a sense quite yet. Uh, but I like I like this, I like the spin-off. I like the merger with Discover. And I think there's a lot of potential there on both sides to uh, unlock some balance sheet room for ATT to pay a dividend, to buy back shares, to, you know, be a little more flexible. And for Time Warner to really flourish uh, under a pure play. So I like the spin-off in general, but I can't tell you whether I would buy it uh, until I understand the valuation. Thanks for the call. Now, lastly, let's talk a little bit about what a lot of people are going to do and, and continue to do, which is part-time retirement. Especially in a world where baby boomers are retiring at faster and faster rates post-COVID, And many of them maybe don't have as much savings as they would like. might have to work part-time. But how do you plan that? Well, the first is to understand how it affects your pay, job responsibilities, and benefits. And then develop a financial plan accordingly. Now, when it comes to your job, the last thing you want to do is have a pay cut, but put in the same effort and time. We all kind of live based on our emails and and all that, but if you're semi-retired and you're still checking emails every day and all the time, are you really doing less work? Are you really semi-retired? So make sure that your responsibilities are truly cut back for uh, a part-time role. Then understand how it affects your benefits. So health insurance, many employers don't provide coverage for part-time employees. So make sure that's understood. Your 401k as well. Now, you some employers allow current employees to tap their 401k plans while they're still working. Others do not, so you have to look at the plan details. Also, contributing to your 401k. Once an employee, employee falls below a certain threshold, often a thousand hours a year or 500 for long-term uh, part-timers, some 401k plans say you can't participate anymore. And if your pay declines, your 401k contributions will decline as well as your employer match. Because that's a percentage. So understand that as well. And then what about your pension? Can you tap it early? Taking benefits early might lock you into a lower rate. So you probably want to avoid that if you can't. And then how will it affect your payout? Some pensions look at your earnings for your last three years or five years and then average it. Well, if you're part-time your last 3 or 5 years, that's going to have a big impact. So make sure you understand that. And then social security. Social security penalizes those who take social security early at 62 but continue to work. For every $2 you earn above 19,560, social security benef- uh, uh, penalizes you by a dollar. Whereas once you hit the full retirement age, it's it's $1 for every $3 you earn above 51,960. So there's some social security impacts as well. So make sure you understand all of this and make sure you build a financial plan before you transition to part-time retirement role. I'm Justin Klein, this completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which we do keep track. And last night we crossed over 40 million downloads in the history of Invest Talk. So that's all thanks to you. And our numbers continue to grow. We're hitting new records every single month of new downloads. And we're at a record high for the quarter. So get your Invest Talk podcast downloads anytime at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. And be sure to rate and review. And if you leave a brief question with your rating on iTunes, we will prioritize your answer. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night.
0: and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlov's Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor.